0: How long was your husband in the Shimmer? Theoretically, as long as a year. It's a long time to be inside and remain intact.
1: Not so sure it was intact.
0: Almost none of us commit suicide. And almost all of us self-destruct. In some way, in some part of our lives. We drink while we smoke. We destabilize the good job, the happy marriage.
1: In fact, probably better equipped to explain this than I am. What does that mean? You're a biologist. Isn't self-destruction coded into us, programmed into each cell?
0: It's always so weird seeing it like that in the daylight. God made a mistake. Have <laughs> the whole lights on. God
1: didn't make mistakes. That's somewhat key to the whole being a god thing.
0: I'm pretty sure he does. You know he's listening right now, don't <clears throat> you? Ventress wants to face it. You wanna fight it. But I don't think I want either of those things.
1: See? It's inside me now. What's inside you? It's not like us. It's unlike us.
0: It came here for a reason.
1: I don't know what it wants. Or if it wants. I don't think it wanted anything. But it will grow until it encompasses everything. It was mutating our environment. It was still Our bodies and our minds will be fragmented into their smallest parts until not one part remains.
0: It was changing everything. It was making something new. Annihilation.
1: And what saves us? This is the fear of God.
0: Hello, and welcome back to another episode of The Fear of God. Uh, we here explore the holy and the horrific at the intersection of faith and fear. Uh, we explore what scares us in order to find what saves us. And exploring that with you right now is one mister Reed Read-Lackey. Normally, I have Mr. Nathan Rouse with me, but not that long ago, he very quickly said he had to leave, couldn't tell me where, told me to look at the stars, watch for him. I pined after him for a couple of days. But then I found out that he went into this this thing. He went into some some swirly, bubbly thing. I don't know what it, exactly it was looking like some shimmery thing but he went into it and all i know is my friend nathan rouse went in and now all i have left is some weird large life-size chia pet i don't know what to do with it it just sits there and stares at me this very weird sort of plant configuration um but you know i i keep it by my by my bed because i because i just uh miss my friend and so uh I don't know what the next few, you know, we're here approaching our three-year anniversary. Um, I I don't know what the next few podcasts will uh, will look like. But uh, oh, wait, 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 wait! It's it's moving. It's mo- oh, Nathan, is that you, Nathan? W- was I you? <gasps> were you were you me? Oh my gosh! <laughs> I've never have you ever seen a plant talk? Oh yeah, we did Little Shop of Horrors. Yeah, we did that not that long. Venusimo. <laughs>
1: wow oh man wow i love Ch-ch-ch-chia. what's so fun about what's happening right now is like because you're so unaccustomed to opening because i'm a, I'm a I'm, i I'm, love a microphone and you're a gracious friend <laughs> you you didn't even like the the purpose of the off-camera moment for the co-host is to plug reviews and whatnot and you oh and did i didn't even, even you didn't, didn't even do even it. that's okay that's yeah. okay but you know
0: what's funny is that like that's what? just that's just how infrequently i do that i just right. yeah, I just, no, that's yeah what I, said. I just yeah i know i'm just reiterating it it's just oh, like, okay yeah okay, yeah, okay. Right, yeah, right right well and
1: then clear you've you've sort of affirmed that that's probably a thing that shouldn't be done yeah, um, <laughs> like oh, that I shouldn't
0: open, or right, that. Right. no. Yes, we'll see that. what I took that to mean is that it shouldn't be so long no. in between times what? that I go, no, so that I, I, think I can, that, can. I
1: think that's I the wrong takeaway from this moment. <laughs>
0: <laughs> this from a chia pet sitting here talking to me thinks it knows something now. Um, so yes, go to iTunes, leave us a rating, leave us a review. uh Nathan, how Great. are you, buddy? And,
1: and just while I'm while I'm in the zone of correcting you here. um you know, we're not approaching our third anniversary. We are in it, brother. It, it's here in the thick of we've it begun is happening. we've begun year three of the Fear of God. You know how I know this is because when year one of the Fear of God began, I had this like hopeful optimism for the future of our country.
0: And oh no. <laughs> it's 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 it
1: has this turn has happened into the anxiety-inducing na- n- notion or nature of where we're heading next. Like
0: we're oh we, my god, we started
1: the show heading into an election season. <laughs> now it's year three, and we're heading into an election season. Yay! Isn't that
0: awesome? Uh, uh, yeah. Uh, whatever it is.
1: Annihilation.
0: Oh my gosh. Well, no, the reason I said approaching is because we actually we debuted on August twenty third. And so it's like this episode is going to air like one week before the actual anniversary. And so that's why I was like approaching. Wow. But, you know, like, I mean, not to get specific, but, but you know. But like, you will. So yeah. But you, I will get specific. Just, you know? you'd set you Mr. Particular Pants. She, and, and, and I. We will get into this. We the will podcast get into
1: this. is about to end right now. <laughs> no, um, no, no, no. like it's over. I, I know right? you want to talk about annihilation and you I had do. your chance. I do. You had your chance. No. And I do. it didn't go right.
0: So, yes. So it's just listen- not gonna
1: it's it is not gonna happen. Nope. No, no, no no. Not it's here's, over. Here's, this episode is over.
0: Here's why it's... I'm intimidated. Here's why I'm intimidated, <laughs> because the first time we tried to talk about this film, listeners don't know this. No, the first you gotta time tell we tell the
1: story, you can't. You can't just okay. Tell a story.
0: So we were recording, and there was some upcoming uh, travel plans uh, for, and the holidays were coming up. We were going to open this past year uh, with this conversation about Annihilation. We were going to start. It was going to be the very first episode of two thousand eight, uh, two thousand nineteen and instead when we tried to record it just a lot of things happened we we didn't qu- there were a ton of interruptions there were some other things going on and we couldn't quite drive it home in the way that we wanted to we were kind of dancing all over the place thematically and uh, who knows maybe it'll happen again but it, the the fact is we just decided like okay we need to just embrace the chaos of life and take uh, a month to let life be life. And then we'll resume back with the show. So it's crazy to me because I'm like the you could say somewhat realistically that the conversation on annihilation, not only like, forced we had to redo it a second time but it like forced a break for the show like man we're gonna need to walk away we're gonna need to we're gonna need to reassess like this this is this it's film like, is so intimidating it's like
1: stranger things too in real life like our <laughs> friendship just <laughs> suffered a rupture
0: but in oh in, in
1: your defense here so you 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 cleared a wide gap with a very terse sentence there so it's not so much that bungling annihilation auto led to taking a month off, <laughs> but we recognized just in the wildness of life and the fumbling of a conversation that neither of us were extremely proud about, pr- right, proud of, right. you know, it was like, Oh my gosh, there's a lot going on. There's a lot of life going on. And then it was sure then that led to, do we, do we take a break? Cause no one, well, many of you know that I am very insecure and need your, affirmation in the form of listen <laughs> list, listens and posts and whatnot but many podcasts take breaks and sure sure but if reed had in year one we're now in year three but well we're a week away from year three let's be clear here um uh if in year one reed had been like you know what we should take a month off i would have just like pooped in my pants i would have joined poop club i would have initiated <laughs> poop club in that moment because i'm like what do you mean? oh god what do you mean no i, yeah. I like I like performing for people. Um, oh, yes. Now, at year two, when we're like talking over each other more than Nathan just usually talks over Reed, but more just like <laughs> <laughs> jabbering into the the pit of annihilation and just fumbling that conversation. I was like, okay, let's pivot here for a second. It's, it's the holidays. Now, I am going to give you... Look at this. Look at what's about to happen here. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Our inadvertent screw up of our dislike of the Annihilation conversation beget one of the greatest moments in Fear of God history, which is uh, our current our current art, our current yes. branding. Yes it
0: did. Because
1: it did. when we took a month off, it gave me brain time to put, you know, kind of in motion something I'd had kind of weighing on me for a while and trying to make this happen. So yeah, we took a month off and Yeah. That's see. That's it. That's what happened. We were just very intentional to screw up a conversation. Cause we, it, right? <laughs> exactly. we self we self sabotage. So literally sabotage. We're about to have our second recorded conversation about Alex Garland's Annihilation.
0: Yeah, indeed. Indeed. Hopefully we will not uh hopefully it will not prompt an extended break this time around. Uh yeah, but I d- there's no more passes on this one. <laughs> <laughs> but I do have uh I do have one question to ask yeah. you before we you know get too deep into this and that's what you watching? Ba-do, ba-do, ba-do. What you reading? Ba-da, 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 what you listening to? Well, that was last Ew. week. I'm done. That I'm done last with it tongue clicking thing, yeah, uh, so yeah, what are you what are you Whatcha, you what you
1: am i you were you me um
0: wow, yeah, I know drink it's, drinking game it's, for time come up get old quick <laughs>
1: so uh two quick ones then a uh, not so quick ones, or so whatever you got sprinkle in um I did recently i i proselytized about this. I don't know, six weeks ago on the show. And finally, recently, my family was out of town. It was a Sunday morning. I decided to be a heathen and not go to church. And Uh-oh. that's, that's unfortunately most Sundays. So that's not too untrue to form. But uh-huh. I did go to church in my own way and decided to watch the HBO documentary about brian stevenson and the work of the equal justice initiative Mm. called true justice have you been able to watch it yet it's okay i haven't Uh, watched
0: it yeah i haven't
1: watched it yet my brother my friend like it there's a there is my wife gets on to me sometimes for how like i will like dredge myself through the bottom of my spirit's ability to Kind of hold all the things mm. I expose myself to. Yeah, you know what I mean. Yeah, yeah. Um, and kind of get onto me for that. And and you could maybe make a case that this was doing that, but the work Brian Steven mm. is doing and the life he is living is so beautiful and and shot through with hope. Um, mm. like I on a Sunday morning, house is empty. I had some coffee. I was in my pajamas. I was like, "Okay, I didn't make it to church, but I'm gonna turn this on." And I went to church, man. The spirit yeah, is all you. over it. Mm. Like there are places where I was just openly weeping because you're just so broken by the wow. hereditary. I'm gonna do this by the hereditary of our culture and civilization. Yeah, and, yeah, and, and yet at the same time, so just charged with mm. the beauty possible in reconciliation to that broken hereditary heredity. Wow, yeah. You know, and and that's, like, people will accuse me of hyperbole, but it can't be overstated how monumental and significant the way this person has chosen to live their life is. Mm. As it breaks and casts a mirror back on who we are as a culture, specifically who we are in America um wow. but it's 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 i i could not and cannot more highly recommend that material if you're not i mean definitely in tandem with reading the book but if you're not going to read the book absolutely Watch this documentary. It's amazing.
0: That's awesome. That's awesome. Yeah, I have really only one, and it's gonna it's gonna probably take a beat. So, do you want to sprinkle? It. Take a a, beat. A, okay. So I finished reading a book, and and uh, look at you. Some, you I, know, are, I read another book. Someone went to the library. Um. So I basically uh, I had been eyeballing this book for a while i finally checked it out it is super super brief you could you could read it uh you that know like sense. I'm. A,
1: that makes sense
0: yeah you know because i mean i ain't got time you know so
1: um
0: but I was actually, when I selected it, um, you know, I pulled a Nathan and I just I went digitally because, I, you, That's, know, hey, even, you, know. you know, it is what you do. But I didn't realize until I got, uh, got it digitally how brief it was. I just knew the cover and the author and the title and everything. Um, so when I got it, I didn't realize, like, oh, I'm actually going to finish this in just a little over two hours. But um, it, the book is called, um, and I'm going to try to be very deliberate with this um, the book is called A Nation of Immigrants and it was written by President John F. Kennedy. So it is, uh, as his other book, Profiles in Courage, was, it is uh, intended to be sort of a primer on uh, the history of immigration in the United States. And, of course, uh, John F. Kennedy was a Democratic president, so there are some philosophies in it that if listeners are not of that persuasion, uh, they might challenge a lot of the the notion to it, and I will say out the gate that he does not at all, anywhere, address the notion of what would be deemed illegal immigration, like people who came into the country uh, in utter dismissing of the sort of adhered policy process, Um, so he doesn't address that at all. (laughs) But um, so basically he, he just gives a history of immigration into the United States, a history of the ways in which our culture really just has evolved from all of these different other cultures. Things that I did that I had no clue about, like I did not know that something as traditionally frontier Americana as the log cabin came from. Swedish architecture. I did not know that, you know, and then there are other things where he talks about like the German influence on immigration. He talks about things like kindergarten and hamburger, which are German words that we use in common everyday language, not recognizing its origins. And so the first uh, two thirds of the book is basically just a history of immigration. And then he turns a bit to policy towards the end. Um, And again, I know some listeners, particularly if they are in opposition to general democratic ideas, are going to 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 feel some uh, pushback to some of this, but I just want to read a couple of quotes from it, um, and then we can can move on. Because I just would recommend listeners check out the book. Um, you know, even if it is uh, in contrary position to your general persuasion. So it said that in general. In opposition to—this is summary, and I'll say when it's uh, quote—in opposition to the statement in the Declaration of Independence that all men are created equal, he summarizes six basic motives for people who oppose the continued immigration from other nations. Um, And I thought this was fascinating because this book was written in the 50s. I said, um, number one, uh, just post-war isolationism. Hey, we're following in a war, and we uh, want to isolate ourselves. Um, the doctrine of the alleged superiority of Anglo-Saxon and Teutonic races. Number three, the fear that pauper labor will lower wage levels. Number four, the belief that people of certain nations are less law-abiding than others. Number five, the fear of foreign ideologies and subversions. And number six, the fear that entrance of too many people with different customs and habits would undermine our national and social unity and order. And here's what I found fascinating about it, is that does appear to be the same sort of uh, arguments against continued immigration that I hear reflecting today. And the reason I found it fascinating was that this book was written about 50 or 60 years ago. And so it was just a moment to reflect on the sort of continual recurrence of certain uh, time and ideas. I did find this quote somewhat volcanic, but I loved it. Um, He said, the famous words of Emma Lazarus on the pedestal of the Statue of Liberty read, give me your tired, your poor, your huddled masses yearning to breathe free. But until 1921, this was an accurate picture of our society. Under present law, it would be appropriate to add, as long as they come from northern Europe, are not too tired, are not too poor, or slightly ill, never stole a loaf of bread, never joined any questionable organization, and can document their activities for the past two years. And I'm like, wow, that's, that's pretty volcanic, um, but I'll end on a somewhat upbeat note and then shut up about it and just recommend the book. Um, he's, he, in, towards the end of his summary, one of the things he says is he says, immigration policy should be generous, it should be fair, it should be flexible, and with such a policy we can turn to the world and to our past with a clean hand and cu- and a clear conscience. Such a policy would be but a reaffirmation of old principles." Um, so I recognize the subject of immigration is hotly debated these days, and uh, a listener may just be like, well, I'm turning this off because, and you know, whatever. I'm simply saying I read a book from about 60 years ago written by a former president, and I was fascinated by some of what I learned about the history of immigration and uh, somewhat fascinated by the recurrence of certain themes over time. As a hobby sociologist, it just fascinates me how certain patterns of thought and patterns of behavior Can become patterns of policy and a nation of immigrants by John F. Kennedy, uh, illuminated that for me in a recent reading. So that's what I was reading.
1: I really love, (laughs) I love how like, um, you didn't speak quickly in an incoherent fashion but I love how briskly you moved through that because what I sensed from you was, please, God, don't let Nathan interrupt. Please, God, don't let Nathan interrupt. Please, God, don't let Nathan interrupt and turn off more of our listeners. Oh, my gosh. That said, um, (laughs) this is not an interruption. You have finished your thought. It is valuable to note that the list you just rattled off from this book of 60 years ago um, of reasons for... I don't remember exactly how you articulated it, but there is a recurring phraseology that got used in every if not every but almost every bullet point listed as to why people reject. There's that oppose. Word
0: again. Yeah. Mm-hmm. oppose. Yeah.
1: Oppose immigration mm-hmm. is and what was that phrase, read? Uh fear. The fear. Yep. The fear the fear of the fear mm-hmm. of the fear of the fear of be free friend. Be yep. free. Amen. Ooh. Do not live in fear. And that's my that's my editorial on a nation of immigrants.
0: <laughs>
1: I'm sure there's nothing more to be said there. Um <laughs> I will I will tie a little bow on this what you're watching with my wife and I just watched a comedy special read. Oh and that's awesome. Because you know what? I need to laugh because oh, I'm, yeah, sad. Yeah. I'm sad. I'm <laughs> sad a lot. <laughs> um, so however, there. there there was there was some political Um, you know, kind of humor attached to this particular comedy special. That said, we did watch Wanda Sykes' "Not Normal" on Netflix. If you watched this,
0: I haven't watched it yet. I want to get to it. Yeah,
1: dude. Now, not every she is quite funny. Oh, uh, Biggie Shorty.
0: Yeah, yeah, Biggie Shorty. What a a time! (laughs) What a time, (laughs) Adame.
1: Hiya, pootie. Um. (laughs) Oh my god, that's funny. Um, now, I, I, not every joke or every bit is hysterical, but there were patches of her, you know, stretches of time during this comedy special that we were in stitches. It is, that's it awesome. Is, if you're a person who was turned off by Reed's recitation of a nation of immigrants, you might <laughs> not like Wanda Sykes is not normal. Uh, mm. And if you are rather prudish in about your comedy, you might not like Wanda Sykes is not normal. However, <laughs> If you're a raucous crazy person like I am you may love Wanda Sykes is not normal <laughs> I
0: do want to check it out I think uh, it, she so the reason I thought this was funny I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna pull a read here real quick uh I have met Wanda Sykes I was working at the Virgin Mega store. she oh, came into the store I know I know I know, I know. Just,
1: that just happened year here's, three, what's year three here's what's funny here's what's
0: funny shut up here's what happened so um <laughs> so what happened was I thought this I always thought this was so funny because and uh, and I'll censor this, but she basically she walked in and she was just doing her thing. She was just shopping, and people were helping her. And then one of my coworkers said, "Yeah, I thought I thought she'd be a lot like you know more, more crazy," and I could not believe that the man said that to her. And then she's like, what do you think I'm going to do when I'm shopping? Just come in, like, knocking shit over? Like, what do you think <laughs> I do? And it was just, it was hysterical. And I always just thought that was so funny. Uh, so that's the only reason I'm interjecting here. I'm trying to refrain the only, from all the, the- only reason. Well, yeah, I did meet her. I shook her hand, all that kind of stuff. Yeah. So, yeah, all and that. And said, she said, hi, Lacky. Wow. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> Bring it home, brother. I guess.
1: I guess this is a low key. um, You know what you're watching for Pootie Tang too.
0: What you watching? <laughs> what you reading?
1: What you listening to? Hmm. You know, I really wanted, but if you've never seen Pootie Tang, you wouldn't have gotten it at all. I really wanted to just not sing that. Do you? You've seen Pootie Tang? Yeah. Yes, but it's been years. Well, you know, when the character Pootie Tang records his new track and they play it there's just there's just nothing right nothing do you remember that it. right yeah yes. there's no yes. and but everybody's responding as though it's the most off the <laughs> off the chain thing they've ever heard it's amazing so yes that's i did so think funny. about that however that's a lot of stuff reed we do need to get to the adventures of jane foster and valkyrie if you are oh cool
0: indeed with indeed. you know oh bro and poe dameron we should yes. do
1: well yeah but these Whatever. Are two th- Thor themed characters here is what I'm talking about. Okay. Uh we sh- we should do like a sub episode on the Comic Con announcements of MCU. That'd be fun.
0: Oh, uh, that will be fun.
1: Or yes. just do another ten minutes of what you're watching talking about the announcements. <laughs> However, yes, Natalie Portman plays Jane Foster and is going to be Thor, which is pretty awesome. If you've never read Jason Aaron's run in Marvel Comics, it's amazing. And Tessa Thompson plays Valkyrie
0: from Ragnarok on Indeed. Ford. Indeed. But we're not talking about Thor today, are we, Reed? Nope, not right now. We are talking about Alex Garland's Annihilation. Um I okay. So we've already mentioned how intimidating this book is. So or how this intimidating the, yeah. the well, I was looking at a note and you'll understand why I said book in a second. Um so I actively in preparing for this conversation, I wrote down some trivial bits. And, in a way of just sort of like coming to the conversation as freely as possible, I actively did not write any other notes down, because no one of my one of my trivial bits is that Alex Garland <laughs> did not, yeah. Yeah, he did not reread the book when it came time to adapt it, because he chose to adapt it like the dream of a book. and we it was read. funny. Because I was like, you know what, I'm I'm just gonna have this conversation oh, without gracious. without any uh, without any framework or, or notes or anything like that.
1: So usually you probably feel like you've got to put the net under me as I'm just like free falling through this conversation. And now I'm like, <laughs> oh my god! It, I, I picture like you know the 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 old Looney Tunes where they're in the big top and the person jumps off the thing and they've got the water bucket down at the bottom. I'm <laughs> like, like, I'm moving like moving around at the bottom. Forward. Oh god! <laughs> Over here! Oh, what, are what are you doing? What are you doing? And what then you, you just fall flat on your face and then we have to
0: record it again eight months later, you know? <laughs> exactly. Exactly. <laughs> oh my gosh. Um, but I do have some trivial bits and then I'd like to, I, if you don't mind, I'd like to sort of spare some of our general thoughts on until we get actually into likes, dislikes. But uh, do you have any trivial bits to share? Do you have any pieces of information? I, you know what?
1: Just... I wanted to follow my leader and I just deleted all of my notes right here.
0: They're all gone. You, you did? Oh, no, I did, I did not uh, do that. Oh, Wow. Way to build me up and then tear me down. That's that was the splat. That's what the splat felt like when you were just like moving around. Like, oh, that's, that felt great. Uh, but you know no, what? What you got? Hey,
1: you know what? I'm gonna do it. I'm gonna do it. And I'm I'm I am pooping in my pants right now as I do this. This is poop club is happening. I okay. am deleting all of my notes. I'm not gonna do it. I'm not gonna do
0: it. <laughs> <laughs> wow. This is one, real time. Real one hour time. later, we'll Someone, be like, I'm not gonna do it. I know. I know. I know. I'm gonna do
1: it. Do it. I'm gonna <laughs> do it. Somebody has to be able to steer us into the harbor somewhere so wow. i'll keep okay. my notes okay um, All right. fine fine while you what? while you position yourself over the weird alien you know, <laughs> thing and turn into this astral you, you know weirdo form okay
0: well Go i do it. have okay so i do have some notes on some trivial bits after that i don't have anything okay um okay. so uh but uh there was a bit of a i guess you met alex garland too no, I've not met oh, okay. any of the people associated with this film, sadly not. Okay. Um, but uh, there was a lot of debate back and forth when the film was completed, um, because it, it did test poorly, and because it tested so poorly, That prompted uh, Paramount financiers to be concerned, and they wanted, frankly demanded, changes to appeal to a wider audience, uh, including changing the ending, making Natalie Portman's character, as they put it, more sympathetic. Well, uh, producer Scott Rudin, uh, Rudin, I believe is how you say his name, he had final cut for it, and he sided with Alex Garland and what Garland wanted to do. Uh, the Clash got more and more heated, it became somewhat tumultuous, and it ultimately led to a deal with Netflix for international distribution. Paramount just handled the U.S. releases, and I think, even though this would be technically international, Paramount also handled the chi- uh, China releases for it as well. But Netflix handled all the rest of international distribution, so it was on Netflix like a week after it came out in theaters in the U.S., but only if you were in one of the international territories in which that applied. I feel pretty bad about the fact that the film did not do financially well in the U.S., Um, but we'll get to some more of those thoughts about that uh, in a little bit. I did write down that Oscar Isaac filmed this and The Last Jedi simultaneously, even filming some of the scenes for different films on the same day and using the same trailer to get ready for both films. Um, He and Natalie Portman are, of course, both Star Wars alums, uh, albeit from different trilogies. And then uh, I did write down that uh, Francis McDormand was was considered uh and almost landed the part of, she didn't campaign for it or whatever, but they almost offered her the part of Ventress that is now played by hmm. Jennifer Jason Lee. So uh those are those are just some uh some fun, interesting, trivial bits that uh that I had written down. And from here it's just I don't know what's gonna happen. We'll just, just we'll just see. We'll just go with it. I'm just entering you... into the shimmer and everything's refracted from here. So Yeah.
1: Well you're not gonna believe me but I am I am eliminating my notes off the screen, so Okay. Okay. Um,
0: it's like so what a. You, what you want to talk about, buddy? You're you're just dipping your toe into the into the shimmer. I nah, want to. know I mean I'm in it. I just, <laughs> you know, I'm
1: here. I am with you. You know, okay, we're gonna okay. find this weird ass alligator. And go so,
0: so I just want to know generally, uh, how did you feel about the film? Well, you you've seen it what three times now? This would be your third viewing.
1: Um. Yes, I okay. watched it in the theater. So I um a couple of critics I follow on Twitter, like I don't say this to disparage the film whatsoever, but they considered to to see them talking about Annihilation at the time of its release was to see Citizen Kane in action. Like they the oh, level the okay. the level of adulation they had for it. Adulation? Adoration? You know what I'm saying. Yeah. Um yeah. and so I did kind of make it a point, like, okay, I'm gonna go see this. And I this is a movie that unlike almost anything else I could point to through its execution. I use this phrase very intentionally, but it casts a spell on you.
0: It You're does. Like, yeah.
1: I mean, the, I came in, I love ex machina, uh, Garland's mm. film before this one, you may talk me into this. You like, maybe you did eight months ago that's i'm sorry i didn't mean that as a jerky comment no no but um like i can't remember the conversation totally but i feel like ex machina is a more accessible kind of like narrative story Mm. um it's still dealing with some big ideas but you know and and we can't forget that you know, we get that magnificent Oscar Isaac dance sequence in X Machina. but um, <laughs> it's true. but I I do love what Annihilation is working for. Um, yes. Yeah. And 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 look forward to, to talking about it and here. <laughs> um, so but yeah, I, I, w- I watched it the third time, and and just the other day. And for do you ha- did you just stream
0: it or do you own it? I own it. And uh, so, so I was. I'm aware that it's available on Amazon Prime, but I watched it uh, with with my copy. Um, well, I
1: well the reason I'm asking that is I had purchased it previously and digitally because you know that's apparently what I do. Sure. Um, does the does the Blu-ray have so like the digital version? The extras are actually pretty I own. Good. B-
0: before you go any further, I own the digital version. I don't own a Blu-ray. Oh 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 oh. Yeah, um, I own the digital version through Voodoo, not through iTunes, but, but it's digital version that I own.
1: Well, tell me if yours has this too, like the, the iTunes version at least, because it does, they do change some of what these have and annoys me. But oh, it, wow. it has like three, I don't mean with Annihilation, I mean generally sometimes a streaming sure, service sure. is going to have a different iteration. Um, It's got the three part behind the scenes.
0: Oh, that okay. Are, that okay. are like
1: the Southern Reach Area X or whatever it's called and then a third one. Have you watched any of the behind the scenes?
0: I have not watched them. I'm looking right now to see if that's even available on my version, but I have not watched them, oh, regardless God. of whether or not it's available. I've not I've not seen it.
1: Gotcha. Well yeah, it's it's pretty cool. Um it is kind of interesting from a purely technical standpoint. Speaking of comic books, the uh, he he used to be a comic artist, but he probably, you know, as most of us would, got wooed by the Hollywood those dollar bills. Um, mm-hmm. the artist Jock, J-O-C-K, is the concept artist for Annihilation. May have been for, I don't know if he was for Ex Machina or not, but he was formerly, I could be totally wrong here. I think he was, yeah, I, I don't want to speak ignorantly there. there there's a couple of high-profile comic works that... Oh, okay that on my periphery I'm aware of but I can't think of exactly what they are but regardless yeah he was a former comic artist and is a concept artist for Annihilation it's just really cool in the behind the scenes they talk about him you know kind of visualizing
0: some of this stuff and uh, anyway so I, I don't yeah. know if
1: you'd you'd traverse through any of that
0: I just glanced at the the copy that I have and it does have some behind the scenes stuff so that now I'm, I cool. feel remiss that I didn't dive into that sooner but uh, but definitely want to because what I would what I would say so this was this most recent viewing was my fourth time seeing it. And Nathan, I would watch this again right now. I I think I love this movie on a level that it will continue to be a challenging, inspiring, and, and uh, fascinating movie to me. Multiple viewings uh, down the decades. Around. I probably would have joined in with the people who were uh, right, just right. Uh, adoring this film. When I first saw it, I knew I had seen something that was very different and that I would want to see again. But it was not until the second viewing that my affection for it solidified. And then now two more viewings on top of that, it's only continued to grow. I absolutely love this film. I I think I had said to you at one point, either in the previous conversation or off pod, I had said uh, that for, for whatever reason, I understand some of the challenges that people have with this type of film and how complicated it is. It, it, it demands a lot of the viewer. Yeah. It asks a lot of you. There's no question about it. Um, but in a way, I am part of the target audience for this film. I don't know if they're specifically going after me, but my sensibilities respond so highly to so much of what the film is after. There's a beauty, there's a horror, there are big ideas, there's philosophy, there's uh, humanity, there's um, rich characterizations, there's uh, there's just so much that tend to ignite my imagination, and, and I just absolutely adore this film uh so you know skipping to my end a bit but i'm i'm heaping a tremendous amount of praise on this you mentioned the visuals earlier there are some staggering visuals in this visualizations well, don't, don't,
1: don't drift too far from this the um you used this word a minute ago and it, it's hearkening to our own writing but the imagination like the there's this weird way this movie does what few others can as much as it stirs the intellect like It almost wants you, like the characters, to kind of turn your brain off and Mm. just kind of experience it.
0: Mm.
1: Um, Because I do think, I think it would be amazing to watch this in like a giant IMAX. Like what initially came to my brain just now was like the dome, the old planetary type. Oh yeah, planetarium type experience. Yeah, like because. I'm not inviting us to jump to this immediately, but I do want to touch on it because it's where my brain's going right now. and I'm not looking at notes. Whether you believe me or not, I'm not. Let's, um, no, let's, let's the, follow the conversation. That last 20-minute sequence is so spellbinding. I there's that word again, but like so immersive, so just riveting, so like... Um, one of the things that's interesting in the behind-the-scenes thing and sincerely you can we can double back at certain points i'm just going where my brain's going but yeah and in, in the behind the scenes thing in visualizing whatever this alien form was it was interesting to hear them and by them i mean alex garland and uh, i don't know the guy's name but the head visu- visual effects supervisor guy like in kind of articulating what this thing was and and some of the characters used similar language, which is clearly you know intentional, but right. they posit like um, often, often, I think what I'm trying to get to here is often in a quote-unquote alien movie, we will still assign as storytellers or these storytellers and we as humans participating in uh, endorsing storytelling, we still assign kind of certain bents, certain leanings, certain Thing is either good or bad, like, like, right, are these right. are these malevolent? That's it. Garland was mm. talking about. He says he, he owns it. He's like, one of my favorite movies of all time is Alien. But mm. the quote unquote problem that he identifies an alien is like, well, it's this giant hacky slashy monster. Like, you know, like it's 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 fangs and it's teeth and it's claws and it's acid blood. Right. Like right. it's right. it's got a very despite what the true story of the xenomorph would tell us that you and I discovered.
0: Um, <laughs> exactly. It's, we know it's the en- real story. It's,
1: it's envisioned and created and executed intentionally in a malevolent fashion. And mm-hmm. so where I'm trying to get to is how strangely immersive and and uncoupled from a traditional kind of moral assignment is the nature of what's happening in the movie. And somehow executed in a filmmaking style is that last stretch because you're like, and what he would say or did say is like it it is alien, it is un it is unknown, it is we can't assign intention or purpose uh, to it. Anyway, I'm just kind of barfing. No,
0: I I love that because that and and there's so much in the final, you know, twenty minutes, thirty minutes of the movie that ignite my imagination on even philosophical and spiritual levels as well, because uh, when he says to her, the character's name is Lomax, but when, uh, you know, the the man who's sort of interrogating Natalie Portman's character, Lena, as she... That's, that's another MCU... It is, yeah. It's, it's Wong. Old, it's old Wong, yeah. Um, so, uh, but but when he's sort of interrogating her, and maybe we should generalize uh, a, a summary plot here in a moment, but when he's interrogating her, at, towards the end he says to her, it attacked you, talking about the alien entity. Right. It, it attacked you, and she says, it mirrored me. Yeah. Um. And so she's even coming to its defense of like you know, sh- like she seems a bit confused in the moment about whether or not that was an attack because he says it attacked you and she says well I I attacked it it mirrored me and then um when he says to her it was destroying everything she says no it was making something new right and of any line in the film that is the most galvanizing. To me, in terms of where my mind goes about this film and the ideas it's after, because um, it, it is called Annihilation, but this concept of you no, know, it was making it was making something new. Uh, Josie Raddick's character says that you know the the sh- the shimmer is like a prism; it's refracting everything, including you know, physical things like DNA and things that would normally be seen as locked and closed systems. It's, refract- it's refracting all of those things. Um, I want to—I don't want to lose tread on the conversation, but I want to briefly summarize. This is basically a story about um, a group of people from different disciplines, uh, scientific disciplines, and there have been several uh, military expeditions, mostly made up of, of males, has gone into this... Uh, they think it might be alien, but they don't really know what it is. There's this thing that came and it created this ever growing, they call it the shimmer. It's like a, it looks like, like bubble liquid. And, uh, there have been expeditions that wandered into it that never made it out. But the main character in this film, Natalie Portman, her name is Lena in the film. um, Her husband was one of these, it was a part of one of these expeditions, and her husband came back out. And so when her husband came back out, uh, but suddenly began to have. Did he? Or did he, exactly. um, They began to have. uh, It prompted Lena to go to where the Shimmer is, or be taken there, rather. And then she is a part of an expedition with four other women. um, So. Previously, there were military types led by males, so this new expedition, the expedition that is the primary for our film, is a group of scientists who are female. So they're trying something completely different, and they're going to make their way through the shimmer, and the film is just about what they find there and what happens to them and, and all that is accompanied with that. That's a generalized summary. But in this notion of you know, the, the non-malignancy... Where this is not just the xenomorph alien, uh, the predator well, I, figure. I said
1: malevolent. Are you meaning?
0: Oh, uh, uh, sorry. Yeah, malevolent yeah. is more is more what I mean. That it's a it's got ill intentions. Right. But in that notion, like I said, it's not the xenomorph. It's not a predatory figure. It's just changing everything. It's just doing what they say several times in the film. Uh, I don't know what it wants or if it wants. And they say, you know, like, we don't know what it was doing. If it's doing anything, it might just be being. This is just what it is. And I found that so fascinating because there's an old line in uh, Star Trek II, The Wrath of Khan, uh, that other great, brilliant, uh, mind-bending sci-fi, where it, I do love that movie, but where uh, the characters, concept in that film is that there's a device called the Genesis device that would create life from previously uh, dead dormant hostile environments it would create you know environments that were teeming with growth and vegetation and could sustain life and there's an argument that takes place in Star Trek II: the Wrath of Khan where they say well what happens to the previously existing matrix and Spock very matter-of-factly says well it would be destroyed in favor of the new matrix. And uh, so then there's this whole argument about like, oh, so you're just going to destroy life so that you can create more. And that's that's what became of that conversation. That's a different film, but reflecting back in Annihilation, it really did spark a tremendous amount of thought in me, this notion of the process of being made new, the process of something new emerging from... Something that was previously there and how the notion of creation carries with it a sense of what was previously there has to be to some capacity destroyed or annihilated. And that concept, it just fascinates me. It just galvanizes me to think about that and how resistant we would be as people not diving, you know, explicitly right into theme right now, although that's where we are um how resistant we are as people to the process of making new because of what it means for what has to die and what has to go away and uh anyway that's just one of a multitude of things that the film ignites in me when i think about it and think specifically about that ending
1: well i thought about this watching next week's movie as well but like uh, this movie is theme like
0: yes yes this, it
1: is not you know you you can't the characters constantly are engaging philosophy and, and, and higher level intellectual, you know, views and thoughts. And, and, you know, we could say scary things like the crazy creepy bear, which is scary as
0: crap. You could... That's terrifying.
1: Um, identify the freaky, you know, person splatted against the pool wall. Like, those are... right. ...really right. terrifying. But I think... Now... I mean, we're we're just going all over the place, but yeah, yeah. Let's do Do it. you do you interpret the when the two of them come together at the end, right? And there's the little glimmer in her eye or both eye. I yes. can't remember. Yes. Yes.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: In your four viewings, do you consider that just the one sort of nod to blockbuster movie making? What I'm what what I mean by that is that feels like just as a little coda a button of oh now they're out in the wild and in the world and now nothing is safe you know what i mean oh i'm not even criticizing it per se i'm just kind of
0: trying to figure out how to sort it so I have never taken it that way, even from the first viewing. So uh, I do see how and and have had conversations with other people who watched the film. Um, in one of the viewings, I was with uh, you know some friends uh, watching it as well, and that was absolutely the way it was partially taken. I, I think it's a, it's a certainly an understandable reading of the film. The way I've always taken it to be is the they're hugging, and there is a connection of physicality but then there is also a connection within them of nature and makeup uh, that the film is identifying for us that these are these are now sort of of the same substance even though that substance in the narrative of the film has departed the shimmer has been destroyed or it has you know it's been burned up its source has been burned up and so it's gone away but they are now irrevocably different and of a similar type. I'll answer a question you didn't ask in relation to that ending. I was asked point blank a couple of times, so do you interpret that she is the alien clone version of herself, or is she the original Lena? And in my interpretation of it, uh, I don't think the film is very interested in that binary of an answer. But what I think is that the version of Sergeant Kane that came out was a version that uh, was mirror-created by the Shimmer. I think the version of Lena that came out was sort of the prime version of Lena, but she still carries in the tattoo on her arm and in whatever is shimmering in her eye the ripple effects, the changes that have been enacted to her from within the Shimmer. Does that but make see, sense?
1: It does, but I would actually challenge that from the standpoint that I don't think, I think by film's end, there is no longer a prime Lena. Like, oh, okay. I, okay. I don't, I think, because I agree with you that Kane, the Kane out in the world is the, the manufactured, fabricated version, but... I think the film is very intentional. I was really paying attention to this because I knew we'd probably bring it up. I think the film is very intentional to cut in the middle of the dance in such a way. Cause remember mm. the, the, the it, it kind of goes to white. Yes. You remember this? Yes. And I think that's meant to be our bookmark of, you no longer are in control of what you're seeing. Like, you, you you are not allowed to kind of interpret this in a real strict fashion. To me, we are left with two physical forms, which are each a hundred percent Lena and a hundred percent alien.
0: Okay, I mean i I wouldn't even I I wouldn't even necessarily disagree with that. The in terms of. Just material form, and, and and here you here you go with it. That whole idea of like it is it is a hundred percent alien, and it is a hundred percent Lena. That even that even goes right to what I'm so fascinated and thrilled by in this film, and this notion of its ideas of something truly new, truly different, truly alien, truly unlike what we are accustomed to. Um, would in fact. C- could possibly be uh we we use this in spiritual terms as well like uh the the new man or the you know the new woman as it were that y- the old has passed away pushing forward in this thing you're still fundamentally you while still fundamentally different in these right. sort of theological concepts and uh so I don't even think I would push back against what you've posited I think I was thinking more in terms of material uh, makeup that, uh, you know, because it, I do think it's intentional that she asks him, "Uh, you're not Cain, are you? And he says, I don't think so, uh, which God, I love his delivery of that line. He says, I don't think so. And then he asks her, are you Lena? But she does not answer. Right. And I, and I do think that's deliberate. Um, And I, and I think there is an, uh, uh, an element of it that we are meant to be challenged by. Well, that I'm, it's I'm... not a simple answer. Yeah,
1: and and you basically just said this, but I think I th- I think the movie is too smart to fully resolve that. Like it right. it, it is yeah, not interested in resolving for a curious audience member. But wait, is she? Um, right. Yeah, I agree. I agree because that's not what the movie is about. Um. Yeah. Now, as a random super insertion here, a trivial bit because I minimized my notes here, but. I'm just remembering this the student at the top of the film after class that's walking down the stairs with Lena that oh yeah yeah, yeah, I don't I don't remember what they're talking about but something academic that performer is who they used for the motion capture of the humanoid
0: really yeah yeah she's a she's a she's a a, she's
1: a a dancer and you know they kind of gave her a scene at the front uh, because they were also using her there at the end. You might not know this, and I, I this is by no means, oh, I know this thing, but it was fascinating to me because I just hadn't pondered this. Did you know that the shape that emerges after Ventress gets absorbed? I don't mean the humanoid form, I mean the bulbous thing.
0: Yes, the swirling sort that of that, eye like thing.
1: That's the alien.
0: Yes, I did know that. Okay. Yeah, 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 and, yeah. And I mean, I it that.
1: makes sense, but it, when they were articulating, I was like, "Oh,
0: okay." Like, well, because it's not until the the drop of blood right from Lena makes its way into that that the cells begin that that's when it begins to form. Um. So yes, I or at least I I should say like, oh yeah, I knew that. No, that wasn't <laughs> that was just my. I mean, that was know, my. That, that is par for the course. But I'm that was my immediate Wait. wow wow. Uh, <laughs> but that was my immediate interpretation was the, it, I, obviously not in first viewing, but like from from early on, I was like, no, that that was the entity. It was not like a womb for the entity. It was right. the entity it itself. Is the I
1: yes. love that shot. Of oh my gosh! From it's within, from within the entity to her face with yes. the lit. That's amazing.
0: Well, and good lord the the effects on that entire th- i'm it's mesmerizing to watch the swirling right. sort of uh, yeah. in and out and the and the glow and the the it, when combined with the musical score that's happening that very uh, hypnotic dissonant score yes. uh it's it's a powerfully affecting moment you know what's funny uh, as a slight assertion i don't think i could be wrong but i don't think Ventress is actually screaming annihilation when she's being disintegrated or being sort of like she's sort of uh, in the visualization. She's sort of emerging yeah. up like vomiting right. up, and and you know everything's merging up. Uh, I think she's just screaming. I could no, be wrong. She's saying annihilation. Yeah. I I would I would challenge that a little bit, but it's not worth going into too much right here. I'm just saying, like I paid because in our previous conversation. You had called that out, so I paid particular attention to it in the viewing since then, and I don't think she. Now is, there but... may
1: be there may be an accompanying scream, but in that moment, either seconds before it, like the word "annihilation" Second, does come yes. out of her mouth.
0: She says it. She says uh, she describes it because she says every. I don't have the line written down in front of me, but she basically says every fragment of our being will be, uh, you know, broken down and turned into something else, and then she says annihilation. Then. She, oh, well, she then she begins to but i had always thought you meant that like while all of this stuff is coming out of her she was screaming that word um, the the I, good I the good news there.
1: is we don't have documentation of me asserting that um <laughs> but <laughs> i yes I, I would i am in a, we are both agreeing with each other here yeah i don't yeah. know that i would say the shriek is the word annihilation i just knew she says the word in that yes s- sequence yes. of scripting
0: yeah she um, says it right before she like explodes from the inside out and and gives way to this alien entity thing that we're that we're describing the bulbous swirling entity
1: i don't I don't know how to wrestle this um i I do think it's it's fascinating to me because there's there's this weird way that i mean gosh this is what happens when you Send me flying without notes. Is, That's right. <laughs> um, there's a way as Christians. There's a way as historically in America, people who would ascribe to that name. That something like what happens in the film Annihilation, in terms of the the wildness, you know, like just the the yeah yeah the the commingling of all matter, of mm-hmm. all organic mm-hmm. matter, is yeah. like terrifying in in other words that's 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 that fundamentally and philosophically feels erroneous and anomalous and unright yeah but i'm not sold on that Mm. idea um and i just think it's interesting where i was going a second ago and then cut myself off is it's interesting to me you start this conversation about a nation of immigrants and the fear we have attached to commingling um, right right to to the 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 shimmer all around us and mm-hmm. I mean here we are we're just lassoing the world here but in terms of attempting to wrestle this conversation down and you know you referenced last week having listened to some of the podcast I referenced listening to the universal Christ or reading the universal Christ by Richard Rohr and I've read enough of his work at this point, like. It's interesting, and I'm going to do a terrible job of articulating it in this moment, but in The Universal Christ, he talks about matter itself being reflective Mm. of the Christ mystery. Yes. And so, hear me, I'm very tentatively stepping into this conversation because I don't exactly know how to wrap my words around it, but there's such a way that we're afraid of... Uh, just to use the film's words, the shimmer yeah. that I, that I am not sure is appropriate and I'm not mm. sure it's healthy yeah. and I'm not sure that it's faithful mm. now yeah. is because, and you know, this from r- what roar I know that you have read, you know, he, he bangs this drum pretty heavily that humanity's experience is suffering and resurrection. Yes. Like, that is yeah. the arc of life mm. Um, mm-hmm. as, as, made visible and tangible in the life of Jesus, but that that we can get into substitutionary atonement theory and all the silliness. I don't mean silliness as in dismissive, but I just mean like that, that's not a rabbit trail to follow in this moment, but he would right. explode, he would explode that out as a human experience. Like suffering and resurrection are the tent poles of the arc of the human species of matter right. itse- of matter itself. Yeah. And so, I speak if you if if you think I'm incorrect. This this notion that we would watch something like Annihilation and view it as foreign and frightening does feel anathema to that notion, right? Mm. That I don't know. I'm I'm you know these are, these are pretty uh, wieldy or unwieldy rather sort of things because because death and dying and and rebirth are shit. Right? You know? Yeah.
0: Well, and that, but that's the thing is that what I think scares us more than death and dying or why it scares us more or scares some of us more. um, (laughs) I love that you keep narrowing that field. Oh, it just really doesn't scare us. (laughs) We're good. But but no, 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 no. Is what scares us more is transition. Yes. Is we'll be something different. Change is what's scary. and, and, the reason I say it only scares some of us more is because there are some, I will put myself in this, in this position. Maybe certain circumstances in my life would, would uh, confront me on this and, and challenge. uh, But I think as self-aware as I can be, I kind of revel the idea of a transition to where I would not like you mentioned earlier about the, the interpretation of the ending fundamentally read and yet fundamentally something else. And there is a part of me, uh, a part of me that, that dances with theology and a part of me that dances with philosophy and everything that uh, will pull no punch, uh, loves that idea. Like just is, is so excited by that idea where things get scary is that to to enter into that? And this is where I I am in the camp that is terrifying. To enter into that camp, all of what you previously knew has to not necessarily go away, but it it, it cannot be as you remembered it before, because that speaks to our desire for control, and that hmm. speaks for our yeah. to our desire that we have to maintain a sense of normalcy, a sense of pacing, a sense of Uh, understanding of what's around us. And so you come to me and you say, hey, you get to be, not you, Nathan, but proverbial. You get to be this this other thing. You get to be, and and this is fundamental to the life of the believer, whether we would admit it or not. You get to be, you get to walk in this other thing. It is fundamental to, I, I do agree with Roar in this, it is fundamental to what Christ came and exhibited for us. He said to his people, and yet we still so patently resist it, he said, you must take up your cross and follow me. Right. And we think that's, oh, I've got I've to hurt a little bit. I've gotta, no, no, right. no. It, there is a fundamental, you have to, all that was before, be broken down so that the new can be resurrected. Perhaps the, the new will look like what it was fundamentally intended to be. That's a whole other conversation. But that's what we as believers want to actively resist, is we, want, we are willing to accept sort of the suffering that comes as a pattern of we can get stronger, but we are actively resistant to the things which uh, I'm going to speak in just very Christian language, Um, so uh, uh, listeners, just uh, stay with us if you are resistant to that notion. I'm just not going to shy away from it. We are not willing to follow when the Lord would compel us, hey, you have to come forward in this path, but you have to leave all of that behind, all of that that's over there, all of the comfort. All, but but see that even when we talk about like leaving our comforts behind and everything like that, that's still uh, fundamentally something we can wrap our heads around. Like you have to leave your old self behind. That means you have to leave behind the the things which you are so easily navigate and control right now. And you have to step into something. uh, It would be like trying to learn after 40 years of driving a car. Now you suddenly have to learn how to drive an air conditioning unit and it's like wait what like that's that just, that doesn't it uh, doesn't i, I, don't I even love know i love the beauty of that rather crude analogy but i understand what you're after and so the analogy works <laughs> <laughs> you know it's like fundamentally like wait a second that that i'm not even used to these things moving and not only that like i like where do i sit and what do i do it's like it is so fundamentally contrary to uh what we have to step into and that is what's scary that's the part for me. I'm speaking for myself, but I think yeah, this is yeah, yeah. is broader. That's the part that's scary. It's not scary to envision a beautiful glory ahead of me. It is terrifying to know well, and, that to be transformed. Hold on real yeah, quick. Yeah, yeah. To be transformed from glory to glory means previous glory has to fade away to nothing but memory. If even memory exists and remains. Does that is sure. what I'm saying makes yeah, sense? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And,
1: and, and, to add some clarity to my sort of hypothesizing earlier, I wasn't necessarily saying, I've got it all together and I'm not scared like all those other Christians are. I mean, it's more just kind of thinking out loud. Um, I wonder if, goodness gracious, these thoughts are just too high for our brains. But, you know, one thing that does come to mind that, I guess what's weird is you watch something like Annihilation and you're like, I don't know that this is a false perspective that we should that we shouldn't adopt. You know what I mean? Like the, this view yeah, of how yeah. life and nature is. But a key difference is where Alex Garland would say, "Hey, you know, the xenomorph has malevolent intent. What if it's truly foreign and alien, and we we can't ascribe intent to it?" I would yeah. then take a step further and say, "Well, I think the Shimmer is all around, but there is a benevolent intent, mm. and mm. and and that is." trustworthy and 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 good uh the benevolent intender if you will and and i wonder this is me just purely thinking off the cuff here and so don't come at me traditionalists that's not an indicting word i'm just saying like this is a very non-traditionalist sort of notion i'm going to introduce here is there and i'm not looking for a hard answer just thought provoking is like like you used the phrasing a minute a minute ago about taking up your cross and and followed that with the old man that sort of that sort of language is in this weirdo hippie metaphysical kind of path we're following here. Is it less because we're we're tr- tracking through this notion of a hundred percent you, a hundred percent other? Mm-hmm. Um, is it less all the old goes away as much as it's the only you goes away mm. now enjoined with the only all that's some mm. friggin' heady crazy stuff right there. Oh my!
0: Yeah. I'm going to need to sit on that for a minute, but I think uh, I, uh, I'm going to repeat what I heard you just say. Is it not that the old goes away, but it is rather that the only you goes away and that what's left is the only all. Is that, uh, yeah, that yeah, yeah, because and, because oh I Lord. think
1: I think what's so beautiful and I I had no clue this book would come up so heavily last weekend now this week but like if if you if you strip away the sort of science fictiony of annihilation like this notion of the universality of the Christ mystery we are we are not other from we are entwined with.
0: Mm, yeah, we, yeah, we 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 yeah. are
1: shimmered all together. Yes, and that's and and to sort of live into that means a whole that the implications are shattering. You know, yeah.
0: yeah, in the same way that people speak of the person of Jesus Christ, uh, I I speak in these terms um, and have many that. That also categorize it as such as rather than being God and man in fractional percentages, but one hundred percent divine, one hundred percent human sure um and and those coexisting in a way that there's only mutualism, there's only shared relationship, not competition right and and that's the part that. I think is so foreign to us. There's a moment in this film, man, it trips me out. So there's a moment in this film, which I caught on the most recent viewing. And it's where, uh, Lena and Kane are laying in bed before he's going on the mission. This is a flashback and they're talking about cells and they're talking, they're having this sort of generalized conversation about, Mm -hmm. you know, like, oh, it's like a mistake and it's a flaw in our genes. And she talks about God making a mistake. And she said, you know, it's a flaw in our genes that, um, that the cells get older, like the, that we consider, she says, uh, and again, I don't have the quote written down, but she says, uh, uh, you know, we consider aging a normal process when really it's a flaw in our genes. And it just really, uh, it, it fascinated me this time around, because I'm thinking in all these terms about like uh, resurrection and recreation. And we've talked before on the show in very heady ideals about like, in many ways, you know, the vision that we have of, 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 the the return of the king being this notion of not a destruction of the world at play but rather a restoration of it um, mm-hmm. and but that in that process i'm sitting here thinking back i'm like man when she just said you know aging is a flaw in our genes i'm like you could really go to some trippy places about in the uh genesis story about like what happens when Uh, sin, or as we've, as we discussed it in some depth last week, uh, sin as rejection, what happens when that rejection enters into the picture Well, then age and decay and die begins to be infused into the DNA. Mm -hmm. And so something else has to come in and basically reform the, you know, it basically all has to dissolve and go away. Or as Ventress says before she does that, um, that you know, it all has to get broken down and become something else. Uh, it has to be annihilated. It has to it has to be destroyed, and then this new can emerge, which is what which is what essentially happens to her visually, right in front of Lena. She is broken down into light and essence, and of that expulsion, this new being is formed. This see, new see, interesting. visualization.
1: I'm, I'm I'm pondering this title, and I know. I'm pretty sure it's the name of the first book it is um and and I'm almost wondering is if that's an inappropriate title except by perception, except by perspective, except by a certain point of view, as obi-wan would say yeah. um because I guess what's interesting to me <laughs> super deep, super quick dive. I'm not gonna unpack all of this, but in my sort of attempts to wrestle with perspectives of hell. Um, there was a moment where I was sort of comfortable and being this annihilationist, like,
0: Oh, know, you, I understand. You, yeah. You, yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: um, I, I am not. And, and I do patently reject using that word again, eternal conscious torment as a conceit, but I didn't kind of know how to wrestle through some of that. And, and annihilation felt like, okay, well, I guess that's a, a, a modest alternative. Huh. Um, and, then was confronted with, and started actually doing some, some, some reading. There's a wonderful book. I may have referenced it early in the life of the show. Cause we've been doing this three years now. Brad Jerzak's her gates will never be shut. It's, it's really beautiful. It's really hopeful. It's lovely, uh, but it's about the concept of hell. And yeah. it might've been him. It might've been roar. I've swam a lot in those two's bodies of water over uh, the last few years, but One of them rejects the notion of annihilation because of the conceit that, and it's probably Jerzat because it's a, I haven't read a Roar book about hell and this was specifically about it. Her gates will never be shut, but rejects annihilation because of the fact, or at least what they're positing, what he was positing is God will not eradicate form, will not eradicate essence, I'm sorry. And, and that annihilation is an eradication of essence and thus God only brings life and and will not remove it and and so Mm -hmm. it's interesting pondering again that's what i meant that's a super deep note but i'm using that as a as a sort of talking point for kind of the title and the the ideas at work here because is there this super thin line between to be annihilated thus essence is is gone versus resurrection and we can use resurrection Mm -hmm. loosely Mm -hmm. in the sense of just re constituting or, you know, re- yeah, re- right, reforming. Right. And I do want to introduce here as maybe my final kind of big thematic thing to weave in, to shimmer into all of this. Um, mm-hmm. Not because I don't want us to stop talking, but I don't, I don't have other major movie beats to introduce than this. Right. One, Garland talks explicitly and at length about the notion of self-destruction. Um, So, so, so perhaps that's the annihilation idea is we are bent on our own through genetic coding, through will, we tend to self-destruct. Yes. Call that annihilation if you want. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I almost wonder, I wouldn't have said this until this conversation, but as I'm positing this, probably my favorite line in the film and maybe the most, maybe, maybe the most. Christ mystery exemplifying character in it is Tessa Thompson. Yes. Who Yes. Who says she wants to fight it. No, she says she wants to face it, Ventress. Ventress wants to face it. You want to fight it. I don't want either of those things. Yeah. And she walks
0: off and becomes one with the Shimmer. Mm-hmm. She does. She is no longer anything uh apart from what is happening in the world around her. She is one with it. Yeah, and I... I well, I what's interesting you know about that... Well, I mean,
1: I'm, I'm just kind of... My brain is a big, bulbous alien form just recycling <laughs> and regenerating. Swirling. Right yeah, 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 it. yeah. Um, I think what's interesting then about the film, though, is ostensibly Portman, the lead character, or rather the rather lead actor, is kind of your quote-unquote hero, but... From a thematic standpoint, is that the character who kind of most exemplifies what the what the meat is after? You know what I mean? Mm, um, mm. And I don't, I don't know that 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 is pure just kind of postulation. Um, sure, but it's hard sure. it's hard not to it's hard to look away from what feels like the piece that character enters into. That mode is like that well,
0: is, go ahead. I was just going to say, and and the 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 beauty, and I do find this notion beautiful that when inside the shimmer, the part of herself that she constantly covered up, the scars right. that she had from cutting, uh, yeah. from cutting herself, and it and and uh, sh- uh, the other character Shepard uh, calls it out. Says uh, Lena asks, "Was she trying to kill herself?" And she says, "No, I think the opposite. She was trying to feel alive." and she was covering up her scars the entire movie but then right before yeah. she drifts away what is happening to those scars they are sprouting growth they're sprouting right. life the wounds that she's carrying the scars that she's carrying is and and i do find um a a it is is frightening and uncomfortable but i find a beauty to that notion that from these from these scars is sprouting life and and that is what the shimmer is doing to her. You know, to the others, it is manifesting different things in different ways. But we know most explicitly what it is, you know, the process it is creating in Josie Raddock, Tessa Thompson's character. And I do think there is a beauty to, the, even in uh, spiritual ideals of yeah that that even the wounds we carry will spring forth into life even mm-hmm. the even the scars that we bear uh we will be known by them not as moments of shame but as moments of place where uh you know using the the analogy the old frederick beekner analogy of of things growing from waste and excrement and that that's that's kind of what fosters the the life that's what that it is it is a part of what allows for certain things to grow and thrive. And, and again, yeah, I, I do feel that one of the reasons this movie is so challenging is that like the concepts at which it's interest in which it's interested, there are no simple binary responses. (laughs) This is not, this is not a, Oh, this is, what it looks like to walk through the shimmer into something new. There's, there's none of that. Right. And the reality that we constantly resist as believers and followers of Christ is that that is not binary either. That the journey or walk into that uh, looks fundamentally different and contrary to anything we can understand or control. And walking into that, following that, following the Spirit— my God, he said so many times to his people, he said, you know, the spirit is like the wind. Like, you you see the effects, but you don't know where it's coming from or where it's going. And so such must be this sort of understanding, or at least the acceptance, and that is, by the way, I have not read the books, but the, the titles of the books are Annihilation, Authority, and Acceptance. That's the three titles of the books. And uh, I feel like, what we must come to is this understanding that we must not merely lose ourselves, lose our own lives to find it, but we must also lose sight of the need, desire, and demand to control what that looks like and how it how it feels. Uh, we must enter into what the Spirit is doing to us, what the lord is doing to us again i'm using very christian language because it's the cleanest through line to express what my thoughts how my thoughts revolve around this film um that to enter into that it it is it is terrifying um but as lena says elsewhere uh it's not all horrific it's often beautiful and there is both a beauty and a fear that comes to it the name of our show is the fear of god there's a there is a There is a fear that comes to it that if we can press through it, there is a joy on the other end of it as well, which is how, to bring it back to what we were speculating on earlier, that is how the book of Hebrews describes what Christ did. It says that for the joy that was set before him, he overcame the fear. And that is... I'm about to blow your mind here, so (laughs) I mean,
1: think of... This is just coming to me in real time, but that imagery in the end, in the Catacomb, like I mentioned earlier, you know the the neutral intent of the entity that is at the heart of the Southern Reach, you know the yes. the, the place. Yeah. Now apply benevolence in intent and take what Lena is looking into and and make it a bush, make it, mm-hmm. make mm. it you this this moment of utter awe and terror, and finally yeah. transformation. Yes, like, yes. I think, and and not that it settles it, but like, I think that's what's so compelling about all of that, because even yeah. as sort of harrowing as the sort of dance sequence is after, and that sounds pejorative, I don't mean that, but as sort of harrowing as that sequence is, your brain, your imagination, and you, you said this a minute ago, like there's something so captivating and compelling about it it felt it felt revelatory when I stumbled on the phrase for myself of this movie casts a spell. Like you yeah, are right. kind of in its grip by the end of it if you're plugged in. But I think what it does is when you go forth from the catacomb calls for as we talked about it on writing, a holy imagination to envision mm. A, a a creation in which you are interwoven into its very tapestry and get to participate in not as other, but as fundamental component
0: of. Right. You know. Right. I don't know. Yeah. Oh my gosh. I know. Um and you know, uh coming coming off of so many big thoughts, big questions, big ideas. I mean, honestly, I think I think I could I, I could say this, and for myself, we could leave it here. Maybe we go to the fog meter after this, um, or if you have more to add, we can do that. I think for myself, uh, this film is beautiful in its boldness to not be simple, and it's powerful and affecting in its willingness to wrestle with things that are both terrifying and exhilarating, and that it will... Uh, It has the capacity, if you think of it, if you approach it as a non-believer, there are tremendous implications to the notions of just matter and material that I can't really even step into because I'm a believer. If you approach it as a believer, there is some really compelling and powerful notions of what the Spirit may be leading us into that we are so fundamentally resistant to uh, because of the, the... the fear ahead of us to as you put it a few moments ago to stare into the glory of a thing that is just automatically beyond us and to stare in awe at it uh and not know what to do with it but more so what it will do of us or what it will do to us right and and to still for the the joy set before us overcome that fear and enter into it uh enter into a dance with it uh knowing that we will not end that moment fundamentally the same um powerful movie powerful movie that i love and can't heap enough praise on it we could talk about it for another hour but uh well
1: and you know i, I do want to just caveat before the fog meter here i i feel pretty confident reed that uh the second round of annihilation was better than the first round so. <laughs> completely agree <laughs> I completely no one agree. can no one can challenge that
0: even nope. us Um, but (laughs) you know, I feel pretty good. Yep, exactly, exactly. Um, so you want to take us to the fog meter? Let's do
1: it. So, which um, I feel like we're, we were, you know, touching the stars and are crash landing in a plane right now. Like we're driving this down to a real, you know, pedantic kind of metric. Um, uh, fear and God, uh, uh, scares and substance on a, zero to 10 kind of scale for me personally on the fear i don't think this is a very scary movie in the ways we would traditionally ascribe that so uh, it's it's notions are infinite but the the sort of idea of it as a scary movie is is pretty minimal to me so i'm gonna go like a four i think
0: okay um the bear sequence yes the discomfort of uh Tessa Thompson's, you know, plants growing from her wounds, uh, a couple of other individual moments in it. I'm going to go a lot higher. I'm going to go eight for wow. my fear okay. measurement. Um, that bear sequence alone. The bear
1: sequence is intense, yes. It, it terrified me.
0: Um, so uh, for me, the substance meter, I don't think if you listened to the this entire episode, it is any surprise to you, an unqualified 10 on my substance meter. This is, this yeah. is a 10 if ever we covered one. I'm I'm going to give
1: it a 10 because there's just yeah. no I mean it's it, you know like woven into the 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 film itself is substance like it is yes you you can't talk about it and not talk about the the ideas in, at work in it. Um I completely agree. Um so where that puts Alex Garland's 2018 Annihilation is an 8 out of 10 on the fog.
0: Mm-hmm. I'm happy with that. I'm very happy with that. That's,
1: that's extremely worthy. So yes, last week we did hereditary to just now, whatever, I think annihilation happened to us versus us talking about, um, <laughs> well, and before we close down, I don't yet. know if you're, what?
0: I don't know if you're headed to close down, but uh, fundamentally just real quick, would you recommend? Annihilation? Oh yeah,
1: yeah, I did see, oh. I'm, this is what happens when I get rid of my notes and I just enter the killer. <laughs> like I am, everything no gets lo- refracted. I'm no longer all me.
0: I am only all. And <laughs> here oh. we are. Um, God, I love that notion. I want to yeah. spend another hour, or some other time, on just that notion. That's just, oh man, I'm gonna write that down. Uh,
1: there's an un- yeah, unquestionably. I'd recommend this movie. Like it, it is heady. And me too. Like, it's not a. It's not a. Oh, it's Friday night. I'm gonna just pop this one in. Unless you, right, you, you kind of have to get on the wavelength to to really yeah yeah do it but yes easy easy recommend Uh, Um, as well for me yeah and and unless you have other things read to alert to alert listeners next week we are jumping into the endless which feels just Mm. like an an extension of the shimmer um (laughs) it
0: kind of does
1: or or like faulty versions of the shimmer if you've seen the movie the endless um but yeah, we will be discussing that next week. It is available to stream on Netflix. It is a really compelling, uh, little sci-fi thriller. Um, wonderful film, but that's all I got, Reed. I'm kind of bowled over. I'm going to, I don't know what. To yeah. Do with myself yeah.
0: Right no, I, I kind of agree. And I, it feels so strangely appropriate for this film. <laughs> to have that feeling after the conversation uh, Nathan thank you so much for being willing to freewheel a, li- a little bit with me for uh, getting rid of the fear and getting rid of the notes and all
1: of that good stuff I mean and, at, uh, at a certain moment there I was like was I you or, <laughs> were, were were you me I, sure oh, yeah
0: man. that's awesome that's awesome um, well everybody check out the endless we'll see you next week Nathan thank you so much as yeah.
1: always for everything S- yes see you next week everybody
0: The Fear of God is the beginning of wisdom, but not the end of the conversation. And you can continue the conversation in a variety of ways. You can follow us on Twitter, at The Fear of God. You can like and follow us on Facebook or join the Facebook Fear of God discussion group. You can follow us on Instagram at fearofgodpodcast or go to morethanonelesson.com to leave a comment on this post or any of the other official episode posts. Email us at fearofgodpodcast at gmail.com. Our theme music was composed by Lee Wright and Reed Lackey and our podcast art was crafted by Jacob Hunt of jacobhuntcomics.com. Merchandise for the show can now be found at tpublic.com. Just search for The Fear of God Podcast, all one word. And last but not least, if you listen to us through iTunes, we would greatly appreciate a rating or a review. Thank you for listening. We'll see you next week.